Alright, Joshua chapter 6. Joshua chapter 6. We're going to finish off chapter 6 tonight. And we are going to attempt to make it through chapter 7. We covered kind of a large portion of text last week. And we're also going to cover a large portion of text this week. Because these stories, I hate to break them up, because we need to kind of understand the whole of all of these uh, passages that we've looked at the couple, last couple of weeks to kind of understand exactly what's taking place and what's going on. I like these, the, the verses we read last week and this week. Is, is, uh, there's some, some verses in the Bible and stories in the Bible that I read, and as I'm reading them, I can kind of in my mind, I can just envision it playing out on the screen, I, and I think, boy, that'd make a good movie. And this was one of them. As I was reading through this, this story and kind of studying over it, I was thinking, oh, this, this would make a good story, these, these couple of chapters of Joshua, and maybe somebody's made a movie on it, I don't know. But we are going to pick up at the end of chapter 6 tonight, starting in verse 26. And Lord willing, we will make it all the way through chapter 7. Now, last week, what we had seen was really the first big victory that God's people, the Israelites, had as they had entered into the promised land. They had went in there. uh, They had faith in the Lord. There didn't really appear to be any doubt uh, among the Israelite people. They were strong. They went in there. They did exactly what God said. God delivered them. They walked right in there into Jericho. The walls come tumbling down, and they were able to overtake their enemy, and God had delivered Jericho over to them. And it was a, a wonderful battle. You've got to think that the people of Israel were pretty excited, right? They were stoked. They were on fire because God had delivered them out of the wilderness finally through the Jordan into the promised land and they were taking over uh, this land that God had given to them. And that's what we saw last week. We also saw that God was faithful to those who call out to Him and seek Him. We saw that with Rahab and her family and that God uh, spared them. And so we saw a lot of good things in the text that we looked at last week. This week, we're going to kind of have really the exact opposite of what we saw last week. Things go from just great as can be to downhill real fast. Now, we can relate to that, right? Because we live in in this world and we we know exactly what it's like to be on cloud nine and then next thing you know, it's just, we just, things are going downhill. All right, we're going to pray and then we'll dig into the text. God, I thank you for this good word tonight, and I pray that you'd help us to get some good stuff out of it. It is, it is, it is a great word for us to read, and I think we can apply it and learn a lot from your children Israel, dear Lord, and from you. And so help us to be aware of maybe some similar areas in our life to, 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 to what they were going through, dear Lord, that we're not guilty of the same things. I pray that you would be with us, dear Lord, that the Holy Spirit would speak tonight, that you just would uh, fill my mouth with words to say that are going to be beneficial for each one that's here, that are going to be beneficial for me, God, and that we would not just be hearers of your word, but we'd be doers of your word. And so help us to understand your word tonight, God, the, the parts where I may not make sense or, or may just talk confusing stuff, dear Lord, that the Holy Spirit would fill in the gaps and that each one here would dig into your word and that they would read your word and know what it says for themselves, dear Lord God. So help us to, to be blessed by your word tonight. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Joshua chapter 6, verse 26. At that time, Joshua imposed this curse. Now, at that time means at the time that the Israelites had gone in, they had destroyed Jericho, everything was done, God had handed Jericho over to them. So at that time, 
Joshua imposed this curse. The man who undertakes the rebuilding of this city, Jericho, is cursed before the Lord. He will lay its foundation at the cost of his firstborn. He will set up its gates at the cost of his youngest. And the Lord was with Joshua, and his fame spread throughout the land. Now there's some good stuff that we can look at there. Not only had God destroyed uh, Jericho through his people Israel by his power, but he also sent word by Joshua, look, here's what's going to happen. If anybody else tries to rebuild here at Jericho, a curse be on them and their firstborn die and their youngest die. Now God was serious. God was making sure that the people of Israel knew he was serious and I think also the surrounding nations, obviously they were already uh, heard word about God we saw that with Jericho and God was making his point clear that he was not playing around that this was his people's land and nobody else needed to come in the way and try to stop that just for a second if you want to flip to 1st Kings chapter 16 you can I'm just going to flip there real quick and I'm going to read you don't have to if you don't want to 1st Kings chapter 16 verse 34 this was God's promise that if anybody tried to rebuild it he would kill their first son so let's see if God was true to his promise during his reign, Halil, the Bethelite, built Jericho. At the cost of Abiram, his firstborn, he laid its foundation, and at the cost of Segeb, his youngest, he set up its gates according to the word of the Lord, excuse me, according to the to the word of the Lord he had spoken through Joshua, son of Nun. So we see that exactly what God said was going to happen. Happened. We saw somebody in these verses come back later on and try to rebuild Jericho, but it was at a cost. They lost their youngest and they lost their firstborn. And so God was true to his word. And also it says, And the Lord was with Joshua, and his fame spread throughout the land. Now you've got to think that the people of Israel were probably pretty excited. Who would have thought, right? Israel, we've talked about this, were probably not looked at as a powerhouse except for the fact that they had God on their side. And so Joshua had led them. The people knew that Joshua, uh, the Lord was with Joshua and his fame spread through the land. Now I don't know exactly what that means. It could mean two things or it could mean both of these things. One, fame spread through the land and that is that the people of Israel uh, were, were, were more... Um, aware of Joshua and trusted him more because they knew that God was with him. I think it probably means that when it spread through the lands, that means that the other places like Jericho, these places uh, heard what had happened there and these places knew what was going on and they knew that Israel was coming in to take over. Chapter 7, verse 1. The Israelites, however, were unfaithful regarding the things set apart for destruction. Now, Israel had been faithful and with the verses we looked at last week, they had faith in the Lord. They were faithful to do everything that the, that the Lord had commanded them to do. But there was one thing that God commanded them to do in chapter 6. In verse 17 it says, But the city and everything in it are set apart to the Lord for destruction. Only Rahab the prostitute and everyone with her in the house will live because she hid the man we sent. But keep yourself from the things set apart, or you will be set apart for destruction. If you take any of those things, you will set apart the camp of Israel for destruction and bring disaster on it. That was pretty clear. 
the Israelites were to go in, but they weren't to take any of the stuff. They, everything was going to be destroyed. God had set everything apart for destruction, and he told them, look, if you guys bring anything out of there, you're not supposed to, then it's going to be bad news for all of Israel. So the command had been set forth, and what we see here tonight is the results of that command. And so the Israelites, they didn't listen to it, however, were unfaithful regarding the things set apart for destruction. Achan, son of Carmi, son of Zadai, son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, took some of what was set apart, and the Lord's anger burned against the Israelites. Now this is important for us to remember. This was one man. It doesn't say anywhere in this text that there was anyone else involved. It was a guy by the name of Achan, and he had decided that he wanted to take some of the items from Jericho. We'll learn what those were in just a few minutes. And because of his actions, because of his disobedience, the text doesn't say that the Lord's anger burned just against Achan, but it said that the Lord's anger burned against the Israelites as a whole, the whole bunch of them. They were all guilty and they were all going to suffer the same punishment because one of them had done wrong. Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is near Bethaven, east of Bethel, and told them, Go up and scout the land. So the men went up and scouted Ai. After returning to Joshua, they reported to him, Don't send all the people, but send about 2,000 or 3,000 men to attack Ai. Since the people of Ai are so few, don't wear out all our people there. All right, so here's the scene. We saw this when they were getting ready to go into Jericho, right? A couple people went and scouted out to see what was going on, and here we see the same thing. Uh, a couple of people of the Israelites went to scout out what was going on in Ai, and they came back and they told Joshua, look, we don't really have to worry about Ai. They're not really, they don't look super powerful, so we're not going to send the whole group. Let's just send two or 3,000. They can go in. They can get the job done. We can come home. You've got to think they were confident, right? I mean, they just went in, and they marched around the city seven times and blew horns and yelled out and the city fell and they were able to go in and conquer it. So they knew God was on their side and so you have to imagine that they were pretty confident. We don't need much here. Just a few of us are going to go in. We're going to take care of the situation. So about 3,000 men went up there but they fled from the men of Ai. Uh-oh. That's the opposite of what we saw in Jericho, right? They went up there, they did what God said, and they conquered Jericho. Here, they're going to bounce up into, into Ai. They think they're going to go in and take it, but guess what? That's not what happened. They went in to take Ai, but it didn't work out quite like they thought. The men of Ai struck down about 36 of them and chased them from outside the gate to the quarries, striking them down on the descent as a result the people's heart melted and became like water. Now, I, when I was first reading that, and maybe some of you guys thought this too, I was thinking, well, if they sent 3,000 men and 36 of them died, you've got to think going into battle, some of them are going to die. Why in the world would they freak out and they would retreat with 36 men? And then I got to thinking, because they didn't experience any loss, it doesn't say, in the battle of Jericho. And here they go in, and I think maybe when they saw those <coughs> first few died, that they realized, uh-oh, God is not with us, and they panicked, and they retreated. And the people of Ai run them right out. 
So now things are starting to get bad. Here they were conquerors. They were, they were trusting the Lord. Everything was good. He had delivered, handed Jericho over to them. And now all of a sudden, it looks like they're going to fall to Ai. And it says as a result, the people's hearts melted and became like water. These were people that before, when God said, march around this city and blow your horns and holler, they were like, all right, God, we going in. And now they suffer a little defeat. And now they're kind of starting to waver a little bit in their faith and their trust of the Lord. Then Joshua tore his clothes and fell before the ark of the Lord with his face on the ground until evening, as did the elders of Israel. They all put dust on their head. Now that was, that was a symbol of, of mourning and just, and just, man, they were just tore up about it. Tearing their clothes, they just had, they were just, they were just, boy, it was hard times. They just couldn't believe it. They were just, they were just torn apart because of what had taken place. And Joshua called out in verse 2, O Lord God, Joshua said, why did you ever bring these people across the Jordan to hand us over to the Amorites for our destruction? Now, boy, ain't that a quick change of, of, of heart right there. Here, we just talked about it last week. These Israelite people and Joshua, they were going to serve the Lord. They were on fire one minute. And now, I don't know how much later this was, probably a, a few weeks, a few months. It probably wasn't that much later. We don't know. It could have been years. But this is the next little battle that they face. And they done gone from being ready to serve the Lord to now Joshua saying, God, why did you even bring us across the Jordan? You should have just left us over there, God. We are here, and we're going to be destroyed. Now, does that sound familiar? To some of you, it probably does, because that's the exact same thing that the Israelites did when they come out of Egypt. They come on some hard times, and oh, woe is us. We should have just stayed where we were, and all that faith and that trust in God that they had, it was gone. Now, you know what? We do the same thing. We do the same thing. How many times has God delivered us through some like really tough thing that we were going through or struggling with or something we were worried about, and God just He just frees us from that. He just gives us peace and comfort. He just lifts us up. He strengthens us. He gives us the victory, and we're like, praise the Lord. I am never going to deny you again. I'm never going to get off track again, God. I'm going to be like super Christian. I'm going to pray every day and read my Bible. I'm going to be at church, and I'm going to worship from the heart. God, you were so good. God, you were great and we leave Sunday because God has restored us and we, we've prayed and we've come down to the altar and everything is good and by Wednesday we are just like these Israelites and we are like oh God why don't you care about me you don't care God look at all this stuff that's going on I thought you loved me why did you let me get this way God no we do that right we do that and we look at Joshua and say well boy why do they do that and I look at me and say boy why do I do that but we gotta, we, we gotta, we got to make sure that we don't fall into that trap. we got to make sure that we don't forget about the God of the good times because He's the same God in the bad times. And let's not forget that the reason why that the people of Israel were in this shape was not because God had abandoned them. It was because they had been disobedient to God. I mean, well, God did abandon them. He wasn't there fighting with them. But it wasn't because it was His choice. It was because it was their choice because they had chose to not do what he said. He had told them what to do to keep them in check and to keep them safe and to keep them on the right track. And one man, Achan, messed everything up. 
All right, so Joshua's whining, God, you brought us over here, we're going to be destroyed, so let's see what happened. If only we had been content to remain on the other side of, this, of the Jordan. Now let's stop there for a second. Now look, Joshua was saying here, if only we had been content to stay back over here where we were. Now let's not forget, some of you may remember this, at the beginning of Joshua, we saw two and a half tribes who decided to stay back over there. And that's not what God wanted them to do. But God said, I'll let you stay here on the other side of the Jordan and keep this land. But you've got to send the rest of you guys into the promised land to fight. So we already saw that there were some who wanted to stay behind. And here Joshua saying, we should have all just stayed back here and not come here. Well, the problem with that is, is they would have missed out on the blessing that God would have given to them. God, he didn't want them to be on this side of the Jordan. He wanted them to be on this side of the Jordan. And so many times in life, we are the same. There is somewhere that God wants us to be, that God calls us to be, that God, something God calls us to do, but we're just comfortable over here on this side of the, of the Jordan of life. Because we know that to get over there, we got to cross a river. And then if we get across the river, lo and behold, who knows what kind of enemies we're going to face along the way. And a lot of times we just like Joshua and the Israelites. They had went over and they were facing some hard times. But God was still with them, and it's the same for us. God desires to bless us. God desires to put us in a good place and put us in a place of safety and use us and get us where he wants us to be. But he never tells us that there's not going to be hard times. And oftentimes, we're just like the Israelites in, the, in a sense that we get ourselves into trouble. And we got to call back out to God to get us out of it. What can I say, Lord, now that Israel has turned its back and run from its enemies? When the Canaanites and all who live in the land hear about this, they will surround us and wipe out our name from the earth. Then what will you do about your great name? Again, we see just the opposite. Before, we see that, that the nations are, are in fear of what they're hearing about the Lord. And now we, we see just the opposite. Joshua says, well, if the people hear about this, then ain't nobody going to fear us anymore. They're going to point and they're going to laugh and then they're going to come in and they're going to wipe us out. And so Joshua, he's moaning and groaning before the Lord. And here's what the Lord says in verse 10. The Lord then said to Joshua, Stand up. Why are you on the ground? Israel has sinned. They have violated my covenant that I appointed for them. They have taken some of what was set apart. They have stolen, deceived, and put the things with their own belongings. This is why the Israelites cannot stand against their enemies. They will turn their backs and run from their enemies because they have been set apart for destruction. I will no longer be with you unless you remove from you what is set apart. Now, God didn't have much pity on him there. That was pretty intense. That's some pretty intense stuff. He said, get on up from there and quit you whining. It's because you guys have sinned and didn't listen to me. You took what was set apart, and God said, you got to get rid of it. You need to fix the problem, because until that happens, boom, you're set apart for destruction. Now, that's pretty heavy words. Go, in verse 12, go and consecrate the people... Tell them to consecrate themselves for tomorrow. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. They, there are things that are set apart among you, Israel. You will not be able to stand against your enemies until you remove what is set apart. 
In the morning you must present yourselves tribe by tribe. The tribe the Lord selects is to come forward clan by clan. The clan the Lord selects is to come forward family by family. The family the Lord selects is to come forward man by man. The one who is caught with the thing set apart must be burned along with everything he has because he has violated the Lord's covenant and committed an outrage in Israel. Now, you listen to that right there. Do you think that God plays around with sin? Do you think sin is a minor thing to the Lord? It is not. Sin is not a minor thing to the Lord. Sometimes it is to us because we can label things that we do and this is a little sin and this ain't a big deal and God doesn't care and he might give me a little slap on the wrist but it's okay. But we see that God cares greatly about sin and sin is a very serious thing to the Lord and there was one Israelite that sinned and God said you need to find him and this is what you're going to do. You're going to kill him and destroy everything that he has. Now that's some pretty Serious words. We need to listen to those words. Verse 14, Joshua got up early the next morning. He had Israel come forward, tribe by tribe. Can you imagine? Can you imagine what it would have been like in those days? You know, I mean, who knows how many Israelites were out there? Probably many thousands of Israelites, and they're all under different tribes. And you, can you imagine everybody kind of talking to each other? You, who you think you think it's from that tribe? You know, I, I can think it's Bob. I saw him. He ain't nothing but trouble. I bet they was probably all kind of talking, trying to figure out who done it. We would do the same thing. If God sent me something else to say, I'm going to destroy so-and-so because they did something, boy, we'd all be looking around, wondering who that could be. Could, could it be me? No, it ain't me. Could it be them? And boy, they was probably talking about each other. And, and this probably took some time for them to go through tribe by tribe. And so they began to go through this process just as God ha had commanded them to do. And the tribe of Judah was selected. He had the clans of Judah come forward, and the Zerahite clan was selected. He had the Zerahite clan come forward by heads of family, and Zabdi was selected. He then had Zabdi's family come forward man by man, and Achan, son of Carmi, son of Zabdi, and uh, excuse me, son of Zerah of the tribe of Judah was selected. Now you've got to think that Achan is probably shaking in his boots about now. Because he knows what's going on. He knows what the Lord had said. And of all these people, little old Achan is standing there. And can you imagine everybody else looking at him thinking, Oh snap, this is not going to be good. And it was not good. Let's read a little further. So Joshua said to Achan, my son, give glory to the Lord, the God of Israel, and make a confession to him. I urge you, tell me what you have done. Don't hide anything from me. Achan replied to Joshua, it is true. I have sinned against the Lord, the God of Israel. This is what I did. When I saw, some, when I saw among the spoils a beautiful cloak from Babylon, 200 silver shekels, and a bar of gold weighing 50 shekels, I coveted them and took them. You can see for yourself, they are concealed in the ground inside my tent with the money under the cloak. So Joshua sent messengers who ran to the tent, and there was the cloak concealed in his tent with the money underneath. They took the things from inside the tent, brought them to Joshua and all the Israelites, and spread them out 
in the Lord's presence. Then Joshua and all Israel with him took Achan, son of Zerah, the silver, the cloak, and the bar of gold, his sons and daughters, his ox, donkey, and sheep, his tent, and all that he had, and brought them up to the valley of Achor. Joshua said, Why have you troubled us? Today the Lord will trouble you. So all Israel stoned them to death. They burned their bodies, threw stones on them, and raised over him a large pile of rocks that remains to this day. Then the Lord turned from his burning anger. Therefore that place is called the Valley of Achor to this day. Now that's pretty serious. That's pretty serious. God deals seriously with sin. And we need to keep that in mind when we see texts like this and when we do things in our own life, when we are guilty of sin. God takes sin so seriously that He was willing to give His firstborn, one and only Son, Jesus Christ, to die for our sins. Now that's pretty serious. And that's what God did for us. Not so that we could continue to live in sin, but that we could be freed from sin. And also, I think one thing that we do not want to miss in this text is that God had told the Israelites that no one was to take anything. And even though it was just one person, Achan, that took the stuff that he wasn't supposed to, it brought hard times on all of the nation of Israel. When we sin, we don't sin in a vacuum. I know lots of times we like to think to ourselves, I'll do what I want to do. It ain't hurting anybody but myself. Achan may have thought the same thing. Who knows? Oftentimes we think that. I think that. But the fact of the matter is, is that very, very seldom, if ever, does our sin only affect us. Almost always our sinful choices affect not only us, but those around us. They affect our families. They affect our friends. And they affect our church. And we must be on guard, church, because it only takes one person that can get off track, that can cause a lot of havoc, that can wreak a lot of havoc in this church. And so we must stand on our guard because that is what the enemy wants. That is what Satan would love for us to do. He would love to get any one of us, and there ain't one that, 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 that he likes more than the other. He's going to try to get all of us. He's going to pick whoever he can get, from a young person to an old person, whoever he can get. If he can get one of us to live in disobedience to the Lord and cause all kind of mayhem among all of God's children here in this church, then that's what he wants to do. Because it would thrill Satan more than anything to get this church off the map. If he could get us arguing and fussing and feuding, if he could get us coming in here and this group sitting on this side and that group sitting on that side and this group talking about that side and the other group talking about the other side and instead of smiling and hugging and having a good time worshiping the Lord, he wants nothing more than for us to talk about each other and shake our fingers at each other and judge each other. That's what he wants. And all it takes is for one weak link to mess everything up. One weak leak in the chain makes the chain completely ineffective. You see, as long as we're working together in the Lord and we're not 
backbiting and devouring one another, as the Scripture would say. As long as we are working together, God can use us and God can take us to great places to do great things that He has in store for us. He already does. He's already done that for years and years. Enterprise Baptist Church has been there. And God has used Enterprise Baptist Church in countless ways before I was born, some while I was born. And if the world lived long enough or I die tonight, I believe that God is going to continue to use Enterprise Baptist Church for years to come if we all stick together. But if we begin to live in sin and begin to live in disobedience, we may find ourselves in a situation just like the Israelites. That there are things that, that we could do or should do, but we're not able to get them done because we're not seeking the Lord and we don't have His power. It's when we work together and when we seek the Lord and when we are in obedience that God is with us and God will bless us. And wherever He takes us, no matter how difficult it may be, that's where God wants us to be and that's where we should desire to be. So let us be on guard so that we are not found guilty of bickering and fussing and feuding, but that we are found faithful. Let us be on guard that when God blesses us and delivers us and hands our enemies over to us and gives us victory, that we continue to worship the Lord and that we're not so quick to be down on the ground pouting and crying to God because of something that we've done. If it's some sinfulness in our life or something that's caused us to get off track, that's caused us to get in the rut, then let us be found faithful to go before the Lord and say, God, help me. Help me to get back on track. Help me to trust you so that I can go where you call me to go, so that I can be blessed with the blessings that you want to bless me with. Let's pray. God, I come to you tonight, and we, we looked at a lot of stuff tonight. There's some good stuff in, this, in these verses we looked at tonight, God, some good stuff that we can learn. And so I pray that we would just kind of let these things soak in, God, that we just continue to go back and read these verses again. And maybe there's something there that you want to reveal to us that, that we didn't discuss tonight. God, your word is just so full of, of just good things for us. So help us not to miss any of these good things. Help us to, to take our own sins seriously, God, knowing that you take our sins seriously. So help us to, to do the same. Help us to not, not grumble and whine, dear Lord. We do it sometimes. But help us to stay strong, to continue to give you worship and praise, even on those times where we may have, we may have sinned, dear Lord. And sometimes we do that, God. Sometimes we, we have to face the consequences of our sins. We see that with the people of Israel. God, help us to realize that our sins sometimes have effects on other people. Our choices, the consequences may have effects on other people, dear Lord. So help us to keep that in mind. Help us to be obedient to you, God, to be faithful to you. On the good days and on the tough days, God, we're going to praise you just the same. In Jesus' name I pray it. Amen.